Hello and welcome to the Van Podcast, a podcast series from Visual Artist Ireland. My name is Joanne Laws and I'm Features Editor of the Visual Artist Newsheet. Published every two months, the Van Podcast features online conversations with various contributors to each issue of the Van. This gives opportunities to discuss some of the ideas arising from published texts, while also offering insights into their wider practice. For our third podcast, I'm joined online by Nathan O'Donnell and Marissa Viksiewicz Carroll, who developed a profile on their new publishing imprint, Numbered Editions, for the March-April 2021 issue of the Visual Artist Newsheet, which had a loose thematic focus on artist publishing. Nathan is a writer, researcher, and a co-editor of Paper Visual Art Journal. He was previously an IRC Enterprise Postdoctoral Research Fellow based between Emma and Trinity College Dublin and is currently writer-in-residence at Maynooth University. Nathan's fiction and non-fiction writing has been widely published and he also teaches part-time on the Art in the Contemporary World MA programme at NCAD. Marissa is a writer, editor and independent curator based in Dublin. Marissa has organised a range of exhibitions and projects across Ireland and abroad and has worked as assistant curator at Dublin City Gallery, The Hugh Lane, as well as being founding director of the Berlin Opticians Gallery. Okay, so I suppose the most logical place for me to start is with your long-standing editorial collaboration on Paper Visual Art Journal an online journal of art criticism established in 2009, which has expanded over the last decade to encompass hard copy journals, books, and various other publications with invited guest editors. Um, Nathan, you joined Paper Visual in 2014. Uh, I wanted to ask, what's your sense of the publication's evolution and its ongoing contribution to the field of Irish art criticism? Uh, Thanks, Joanne. Yeah, um, so I joined uh, with Marisha uh, in 2014. Um, uh, the, the journal had been running for, for sort of five years at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and we joined the, the original editors, uh, Neve Dunphy and Adrian Duncan. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, at that, that was, it was a moment when we were, I guess, collectively figuring out what the next steps would be, what the next directions would be for the journal. Um, and it has been, for me, it's been a really instructive experience um, and a, a, a really valuable experience. Um, and of course, yeah, as you say, lots has developed since. Um, I mean, for, for Marisha and I, when we joined, uh, we had a, a lot of conversations about, about uh, you know, what we were bringing to the team and what, what directions we would like to, things to go. Um, we... Yeah, I mean, for me, criticism is all about conversation. I mean, I think even in reviewing, you're you're in dialogue with the work, you're in, in dialogue with the artist, so it's discursive always. Um, and uh, with Marisha, we we kind of looked in those early that early phase of our involvement. We were really looking for different ways to make that happen. So thinking about events, collaborations, workshops, um, building on that kind of discursive aspect to the journal. Uh, so we we ran a, a set of um, uh, workshops at art centres and galleries across the country um, in 2015. Uh, we started a, a, an event series in collaboration with Gorse Journal called Art and Writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we built a lot of kind of event-based and discursive uh, uh, strands to the to the publication in the intervening years. Um, uh, 
Marisha, I don't know if you want to say anything about that. I mean, you, you were with us until uh, 2018. I mean, yes, that it, I think, you know, it was it was really interesting to have kind of four, uh, four people kind of collaborating and discussing kind of a way of, 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 of possible avenue for evolution for a journal and, and, and thinking mm -hmm. about uh, what might come up from out from it and I think because we come from different backgrounds we kind of had uh, different uh, aspects of, of of the journal in mind and we kind of maybe saw saw different ways in which it could kind of um, grow uh, through as you mentioned collaboration or or kind of more kind of direct engagement with with the uh, with the audiences so so that was all really exciting, and I think uh, for all of us, it was uh, kind of a kind of starting point of a new conversation, and for Nathan and myself, definitely a conversation around writing and publication that came out from this. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I suppose just to, to add to that, um, I mean, we you know we we in twenty sixteen we started um, we've opened up a couple of different publishing strands. We've had books that have been edited by guest artists. Um, uh, and we've we've started looking at kind of co-publishing models as well. So uh, this, mm -hmm. it's an area that the the journal is still continuing to explore and look at. And um, we've 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 published. Um, we have a, a we have a couple of things coming out this year. We have a, a book uh, that's being edited by Fergus Feely, which actually has just been delivered yesterday. So we wow. are uh, that'll be going to bookshops shortly. And uh, yeah, we're. We're really looking to continue to be part of that conversation about the present moment in visual art. Um, and I think that is, uh, yeah, if we're talking about the contribution to the field of art criticism. Um, I mean, I guess the one thing to say when I joined, it was really a, a different world. The end of 2014, there was an awful lot more artist led stuff happening. There was the there was still the, that kind of vacant space moment that was going on. Um, and PVA really came out of that in some respects. I mean, there was that that join that connection to the joinery, um, mm -hmm. and yeah. I mean, since then the art world has changed in in some ways. You know, the intervening period has been a lot more punishing for artists. There has been you know a crisis of artists' uh, studio provision, and I don't think we ever came out of that. We just kind of folded into this new crisis that we're in at the moment. So mm -hmm. I, I kind of think we'll be facing into a very different situation when we come out of this pandemic, this lockdown moment. Um, I mean, in general, but but specifically for artists, and I, I think there's going to be a real role for art criticism in that. So that's something that we'll be um, thinking about and and finding ways to address. Excellent, thank you. Um, and so, as you explain in your column for Vans March April 2021 issue, you organised a 12-day residency together in Cowhouse Studios in Wexford, which led to the development of Numbered Editions, an experimental publishing imprint for artist writing. Marisha, maybe you could outline what transpired during the residency and how the idea for this new publishing venture came about. Um, what's the scope and ambition for numbered editions, particularly with regard to experimental and collaborative processes? Uh, so I, I think it was a, a really amazing opportunity for Nathan and I when we received the invitation from Frank and Rosie from uh, the Cowhouse Studios uh, to uh, develop a residency in collaboration with them. And it gave us an opportunity to work with artists who also experimented with writing or were interested in publishing 
And, and that whole process was exciting from the moment of putting out um, an open call, selecting the participants to actually meeting everyone in, in Cowhouse Studios and, and kind of starting the actual process of engagement with, with the artist. Uh, the 12 days were very intense. Nathan and myself were there at the beginning and the start, uh, but we engaged a number of amazing collaborators uh, who worked with the art artist uh, on a series of workshops and engagements throughout. And if I could just name uh, a couple of those collaborators, we had mm -hmm. Christodoulos, Macris, Sarah, Sarah Pierce, Barry Dolby, Francis Holsall, Paul Ferguson and Co Connor McGarrigal, um, all of them uh, exploring with the participants, the kind of ideas and propositions uh, in relation to cartography, uh, orientation, um, geography uh, and through kind of that engagement really uh, exploring the the idea the concept for 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 the um residency which was based on the title the map is not the territory territory and that was a a, a title we borrowed from a polish american scholar uh, alfred kozybski and which allowed us to kind of step into the area where you exploring the kind of maybe dissonance you you experience between the map or the kind and as an as an entity and and the territory that you explore and the kind of differences the abstraction of the notion the translation and cartography all of these kind of separate issues that that can be wrapped and discussed within that um nathan would you like to help me out here in case i'm um, no, no, yeah, no, that's <laughs> missing out anything or <laughs> no, no, it was I, I I mean, I think you're yeah, exactly that the the residency um was was conceived as a as a initially as a kind of standalone um entity, I suppose we 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 had always it was structured around a publication um and as a result, you know the the art we opened it up to artists and writers, so we had a big range of people working at the intersections, you know, there were a lot of visual artists who wrote or people who were doing both writing and and had and, and had art practices um uh and all yeah as, as marisha was saying all founded around this idea of cartography um it was really afterwards as we began the process of assembling the publication um and we were we've been working with a designer claire bell um uh to uh, yeah, to put shape on this and to um, to really give uh, the the right um, to give the right shape to the the output of what and to reflect, I guess, some of that that the process of the experience at Cowhouse. Um, but it was during that those conversations that we, we we started to talk about the lifespan of publications like this, um, and the real singularity and uniqueness of what had happened at Cowhouse. The unusualness of using a, a residency as a, a, a method or a device for publishing, and mm -hmm. um, and we realised that you know there was there was more to be explored here. So I mean, Marisha and I have been talking for for several years about uh, you know we've talked about PVA and that involvement in a kind of um, a critical enterprise, but we've also both been really interested in artists' writing, um, kind of separate from and aside from the kind of critical uh, aspect. So. Yeah, for us, this this things really coalesced, and we 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 had a lot of conversations about this, um, and realized that perhaps this could be the beginning of a, a sort of uh, a serial publication, not a journal, not a magazine, um, but something that uh, that 
happened over time and took different forms as it evolved. And mm. um, so we had the idea to, 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 to call it numbered editions and to conceive of this as the, the first iteration, as it were. Um, yeah, does that? Yeah, and, and I think what was really important, thanks Nathan for, for mm. kind of wrapping it up nicely. I think what was really interesting for, for you and I as well, is that we started to noticing that there was this kind of gap um, in the publishing market, if, if you can call it so, where that type of publications that were not really a catalog or, or um, were not really a publication related to, to kind of exhibition, but actually that addressed something in between that kind of artist practice that, uh, that as, as you, Nathan, mentioned, mm -hmm. was uh, exploring, you know, the, the kind of intersections uh, between writing and, and artists that, that, you know, that be it um, at times a place or, or maybe scripts that were kind of accompanying artistic performances. So I think all of that kind of made us really curious about how, how to create a space where these, that type of material can be explored, published, and maybe, you know, delivered to, to readers who might be interested in it. So, so I think in terms of that, our, our ambitions and, and um, scope for the future is, um, quite uh, quite open because uh, we we do see it as, as as we mentioned as a as a as a serial serial publication one that can explore collaboration but one that actually can focus on monographs and and uh, you know works by singular artists so it'd be interesting to see the next stage for sure Perfect. Um, so maybe as a, a follow-up question to that, um, I do know that you share an interest in experimental publishing, and this has led you to consult and examine the material culture and print histories of various publications, um, including the British architectural magazine Archigram. Um, in fact, a, a 1970 issue of Archigram actually inspired the design for the publication in the numbered edition series titled Figure Ground, which was published last December. Um, Nathan, I know you're also currently editing the reissue of the Radical Avant-Garde magazine Blast for Oxford University Press. Mm -hmm. um, Blast was a short-lived literary magazine of the Vorticist movement in the UK. And though only two editions were published between 1914 and 15, um, it remains a, a seminal text of pre-war 20th century modernism. And so, Nathan, maybe you could outline some of your interests in historical print culture and how these archives inform your ongoing research and your practice as a writer and editor. Sure. Uh, yeah, my, my approach to, to publishing has, has uh, always been informed by this, this interest in, in print histories. Um, and I guess in, at, at a kind of theoretical level, what it, what it means to publish. Um, so I've been very interested in specific historical case studies. I am working on Blast uh, for the Oxford University Press, um, collected collected works of Wyndham Lewis. Um, uh, but yeah, looking at, at other case, you know, Archigram and the kind of um, examples from architectural publishing as well. Um, and, and looking at kind of radical artist magazines historically. Um, uh, for me, that, that has, that, that has always uh, provided a kind of enlightening view or perspective on contemporary publishing and the kind of landscape of publishing now. I mean, I really think, uh, you know, in the past couple of years, there has been a real development of 
magazines, both literary and artist magazines in Ireland and internationally. And uh, for me, I think magazines provide a kind of ecology. They, they provide a, a kind of um, a soil almost for from which different things can grow. Mm -hmm. um, so I think this has been, you know, the past couple of years has been a really fruitful time for, for publishing and writing. Um, and I also think magazines are generative mechanisms in that uh, I think magazines don't just reflect what's happening or what's being written. They provide platforms that, that can actually lead to, to and generate new forms of writing, new ways of experimenting. Um, and I think we can see that historically and we can see it in the contemporary moment as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I've always had that combined history, um, I guess, uh, looking at these things as, as an art historian, but then also as, as an editor um, and as someone who, who makes publications, um, you know, within uh, the, the framework of PVA. The, now that this new ongoing um, platform of numbered editions, I've worked in, in public art contexts as well, using publishing as a, a kind of mechanism for participation. Uh, and yeah, all of these things have absolutely inflected my work as a writer. Um, to be honest, I guess that what's happened is that the divisions between these things, between writing and publishing, printing, teaching, researching, all of the, these demarcations have started to break down. down. And I think that's, that's what's been really rich and fruitful for me. Uh, you know, we draw these lines of demarcation, even the, the line between writing and publishing. Um, but ultimately, when you disregard that uh, and... Uh, yeah, you allow other things to happen and allow for fusions to take place. I think that's when the really experimental stuff can happen. Um, yeah, so that's something I, I guess I've, I've, I've taken from these historical case studies, but like I'm also kind of putting into practice in my work. Super, thanks. Um, uh, on a related but separate subject, and uh, we could also say a lot about the relationship between print culture and the material history of exhibition making. I suppose when we think of pivotal moments in 20th century Irish exhibition making, such as uh, ROSC or the Irish Exhibition of Living Art, we find that these micro histories now largely exist in print form, in exhibition catalogues, gallery lists, brochures and so on. Um, so Marissa, I wanted to ask you about Berlin Opticians. Um, it was founded in 2018 as a contemporary art gallery uh, that, represent, that presents both online exhibitions and nomadic physical exhibitions throughout Dublin and beyond. Um, this model of online exhibitions was quite unusual at the time, but has since become much more commonplace with the pandemic as we've become more accustomed to the format. So I was wondering if you had any thoughts on how this period of virtual exhibitions will be recorded for posterity. Uh, what will the material culture of this period look like in the archives of the future? Well, that's a very interesting question. Uh, to be honest, because it is we so embedded it in, in it right now. Um, um, I, I, I have to be honest and say, I haven't really considered um, that, that part of, of it yet, uh, but it's, it's been really interesting to think about. I think, as you mentioned, when Berlin Opticians um, emerged in 2018, like the emergence of Berlin Opticians was actually dictated by a different set of circumstances. Uh, we really were responding to the kind of economical situation and the, the kind of difficulties or limitations that came 
with that and the admission maybe that it was really impossible to have a physical space in Dublin with the rent skyrocketing and mm -hmm. and and that was the, the online presence was one of the kind of antidotes the kind of maybe um, thinking outside the box innovative approach that uh, I also expected to maybe carry a little bit of a of a backlash in terms that you know you you're cutting out a very important part of an interaction with artwork which is the one-on-one -on -one, the present being in the presence of of the artwork that I think it's so important uh, I think nowadays um, the online exhibitions are very much uh, again emerging out of necessity of, of kind of creating space where due to restrictions we cannot no longer visit a gallery so we were looking for outlets and ways of of, of kind of um allowing us to to engage with with uh, artworks in in a way that maybe wasn't necessarily intended for it originally mm -hmm. i i think that the, the one kind of important distinction for me here is um the maybe use of the virtual um versus online and and and, and I, I kind of think that virtual exhibition often carries this kind of maybe implication that an exhibition didn't really take place I think what's happening nowadays what we what we experience uh, online is the kind of um, online documentation of exhibitions that took place or are taking place that but cannot be seen and I'm talking both of institutional settings but also exhibitions that took place um, you know in off-site in, in derelict um, castles in Wexford or potentially on the streets of Dublin which which happened as well and I think there's so much interesting material there there's and there's also possibly an oversaturation of material that can be easily lost and that probably a lot of these wonderful exhibitions might not really come into our radar so some creating some sort of an archive uh, for the future is a necessity what the archive could look like um, is an interesting question I mean exhibition catalogues brochures seem like the kind of nice way of commemorating the moment <laughs> a tangible mom, you know tangible way of, of um, commemorating something that's quite intangible you know or haven't been tangible or haven't been uh, really uh, we weren't really able to experience in in, in personal through our through our senses in that way um, so so I, 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 to be honest, I don't have an answer to that, but I think it would be really interesting to see uh, how both institutions and individual artists, what approach will emerge from that, because I think uh, we're really good at finding very creative solutions to, to situations like that. So I'll be, I'll be happy to see what the outcome is. That's a great um, response. Um, maybe just as a quick follow-up question, um, could you tell us what's in the pipeline for Berlin opticians? Are there any projects or shows planned for the near future? Uh, so uh, as, as with many institutions and with many uh, other organizations, we faced a lot of kind of cancellations and, and a lot of our 
our programming was put on hold, partially because, again, what we relay online, the online exhibitions that you see, they do take place in real life. They're often photographed and documented and then presented to, to the audience. So we weren't really able to, to engage with, with our artworks, real artworks in that way. Um, and and um, we also kind of taking a moment for, for reflection and, and planning our physical exhibitions, which I think are, are, are so important. We had a number of institutional collaborations planned for, for 2020, uh, which um, hopefully will take place um, later this year or in, or in 2022. One of the exhibitions we are hoping to see um, materializing in a a real life in a gallery space is a solo exhibition by our artist uh, Alicia Reyes McNamara, who will be having a solo presentation in the Lismo Castle Arts um, in July. So fingers crossed <laughs> that will uh, come to fruition. And uh, also in July, we are hoping to have a, a group exhibition um, in, in the complex of uh, three Berlin uh, artists, which would be really exciting. Again, I think because of this, of this kind of personal need of interacting with real art, uh, I, I think our attention nowadays is turned to grasping the opportunities of, of presenting artworks in, in, in physical spaces as much as possible. Perfect. Um, and so my final question really is for Nathan. Um, I know you're currently writer in residence at Maynooth University, where you're developing a series of talks and events on experimental publishing. Um, you're also working on a new module on radical publishing for art in the contemporary world MA program at NCAD um, in collaboration with the National Gallery of Ireland. So my final question is, do you have any thoughts on the function of radical or experimental publishing in our current digital age? Is it about preserving print culture or reviving material histories for future generations? Or is it more about collaborative methods of authorship and engagement? Yeah, thanks, Joanne. Um, this is, the, I mean, those are questions I'm thinking about a lot at the moment uh, through the, the residency at Maynooth and um, I, I have been delivering a kind of series of invited talks precisely addressing this this, this subject, this question about mm -hmm. um, about what radical or experimental publishing does and why why there is a, a current uh, interest or urgency around it. Um, so yeah, it's something I'm I, I'm kind of I'm I'm learning about as well as uh, um, discussing and figuring out at the moment. Um, but there is, I mean, this this field of experimental publishing is really, uh, it's a really um, rich interdisciplinary um, area of uh, both research and practice at the moment. It's really across disciplines, you know, um, across visual art and design, uh, literature, um, uh, but you have people coming at it from poetry, from sociology. I mean, it's it's somewhere that a lot of a lot of interesting thought is being directed at the minute. And I think it is prompted by this, it is certainly prompted by the post-digital environment that we're in, a uh, sense that there's this a moment now to, to kind of rethink traditions and conventions around publishing as it's, as it's uh, conventionally understood. 
Um, so you have, I mean, people like J.R. Carpenter, who, who uh, is this magnificent poet artist uh, who talks about the book as a closed system. And she looks at a kind of a, an alternative history of artists publishing it and finding ways to open that up. Um, uh, or there's Nick Tobern, who, who spoke at, uh, just a couple of weeks ago now um, at a talk that I was organizing. He speaks about the book, about the, the a book as a commodity um, that conceals its own commodity status. Um, and I've found that really uh, um, stimulating way of thinking about what publishing is, uh, that it is bound up with ideas about copyright and single authorship that, that don't really reflect how writing or publishing happen. Mm -hmm. um, so radical publishing is, is somewhere, I guess, to rethink that and to look at, at alternative forms of authorship, be those kind of collaborative or, or relational or participatory. Um, I mean, I think that the, 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 what we're seeing is that the copyright regime is increasingly outdated given the kind of post-digital environment. You see it in music particularly, and that, that kind of struggle for ownership and for rights. And uh, yeah, and, and that is a place where copyright law is being rewritten actively. Um, but I do think we see it happening in publishing too. There's a, a will to do things differently. That's, I think, coming from the digital environment, but it's also now having an effect on how print publishing happens and how we read and what we want to read. I think, and I think, yeah, I think this revisiting of print histories and material histories, um, I think this is happening now in a, in a kind of charged context. So people are revisiting the radical work that's always happened in print, the, the underground and countercultural and political and ephemeral. Um, and they're learning from that and they're taking some of the lessons from that and then they're, they're, they're applying them in the current context in both print and digital. I think there's a lot of um, fusion and overlap that's going on. And I, I think that's, that's actually part of the richness of it. So yeah, it's a really exciting field. And I think um, uh, it's definitely something that is informing my thinking and yeah, and is informing how I operate as, as a publisher, but as a writer as well. As I say, these things are, are increasingly blurry, which I'm hoping is a positive. Excellent. Uh, okay, I'm happy to finish up there if you are. Um, I'd like to thank you both very much for your time today and also for your ongoing contributions to the field of Irish art criticism and publishing, which continues to be greatly enriched through your various activities and projects. Thanks, thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to The Van Podcast, a podcast series by Visual Artist Ireland. These podcast interviews are being published every two months on SoundCloud. 